You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Lots and lots and lots of stuff to talk about. I, I don't know how many things we're going to get to. I suppose that would make it a normal day. I'm going to start talking about one thing, and then if there's still more time, I'm going to move on to the next thing. We're going to do that for about 45 minutes to an hour, and then we're going to call it a day. Because there is just, there's too much. There's too much. I am so mad that I have, uh, you know, a life. It, it's times like this I really, really, really wish I didn't have a job. <laughs> I haven't really felt like this since, like, my freshman year of college. When, like, I'm pretty sure Facebook just came out within a year or two. Because it, you had to be in college in order to have a Facebook account. The only way you could sign up is if you had a .edu address. So look it up. It's a real thing. But when it first came out, all, all I remember is it was like a wall thing, and it didn't automatically update. So you just sit there and like hit refresh because all the plans that you made and all the messages you sent out, like "What are you doing tonight, man? You want to go do something? What's going on?" You didn't know if somebody sent you, so you just refresh. And then you sent out ten messages. So I'm making excuses for why I just sat in my room and clicked refresh all day. But I promise you, I had a couple friends, and there was a re- there was a reasonable expectation that somebody was going to be talking to me in the next few minutes. But that's kind of how I feel now. It's it. I I forget that I haven't looked at my phone in about two minutes, and just this feeling of horror that maybe the Packers did something big, and I missed it. I don't know how you can really miss it. You just see it a little bit later. But it's gonna be kind of like I missed it. But uh, fun times. Before we jump into all that though, as has been my common plea over the last few days, week, whatever, if you've got a minute. If you're using iTunes, if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and review, I've got, let's see, 15 more to surpass the Aaron Nagler thing. Not the one he's currently doing, but the one he doesn't do anymore that's just sitting there not recording anything. I'm almost past that one. And then 15 more will tie me currently with Pack-A-Day. After that, we can talk about the additional 150 to 200 or so that I need to catch up to Bukowski. But uh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But if you got a minute, and if you don't have iTunes, don't want to download iTunes because I can't even get myself to download iTunes because it's just a massive thing that I'm never going to use and don't want to bog down my computer, you can head over to Stitcher and find uh, the Packernet Podcast there. Bottom right-hand side, somewhere there's a small print says leave a, leave a review. If you wouldn't mind doing that, it would be very much appreciated. And, you know, the, it, I'm, I'm not asking this for my own vanity. I don't like asking for things ever. But my, my single goal in this offseason, and, and probably should be my goal forever, is to grow the podcast. And the easiest way to do that is when somebody search for Packers Podcasts and they go to iTunes, it's just there. Right now, with almost every single podcast app or whatever I put on my phone, if I type in Packers in the podcast thing, i got to scroll kind of a long way before I find my podcast. I don't know exactly how they go about ranking them, but I do know that ratings and reviews are a big part of it. So um, that's sort of my big goal is to try to get that up. Most podcasts ask for it. I never really have. I'm going to start chewing your ear out about it. So I apologize, but it's just going to be one of those things we're all just going to have to deal with. And I'll tell you what, if we get to 80, I'll give you like a one-week reprieve where I won't ask about it. So get me, get me to 80, and I'll be quiet for a little while. Otherwise, if you have any questions for the podcast, 608 501 
If you'd like to call in and get something off your chest, get your opinion known by the masses, that number is 608-501-0718. So for questions, it's 608-501-0718. Call in to our Grind My Gears uh, line at 608-501-0718. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I guess we'll start with the three-ton Stegosaurus in the room. And let me start off on a positive note and say, first of all, congratulations to Antonio Brown, because I never in a million years thought he would have been able to do that. He said he was going to do it. He always felt in his mind he knew he was going to do it. I think there's a good chance had he handled things differently, he would have more money. In fact, it's already being reported the Bills were offering more. But it was very important for Antonio Brown. It's, it's important for him to feel like he's in control. And I want to touch on that a little bit. I don't want to get too um, philosophical or preachy about it, but I think it's important because it's why I've been talking so much about the locker room with the Packers. But for Antonio Brown and for certain people, there is just this feeling that teams, owners, coaches, whatever, are trying to own you, trying to control you, trying to dictate to you, trying to do these horrible things. And your job as a man and as a person is to stand up and say, you're not going to do anything, I control my own destiny. And, th- and there's an element to that that's respectable. And again, kudos because he did it. The man got paid. He's in a city he loves. He's in a, a, a playing for a team he loves, for a coach. Apparently he seems to respect. We'll see how it goes. But good on him because he did it. He did it. He did exactly what he wanted, the way he wanted to do it. He lived like a goof in the offseason. He completely torpedoed his old team as well as another team. And within, what, 48 hours, was it? The man had a deal. It was in place. He, he basically just did whatever he wanted on his terms. Beyond that, I've got to give a shout-out to uh, Gruden and the Raiders. Because, and I, I've been saying this for a while, we can talk about how dumb the man is, but let's see what he's able to do. We can see that he's blowing it up, but let's see what happens when he tries to rebuild it. What I witnessed was a man who offloaded Amari Cooper and got a first-round pick and then went out and got Antonio Brown for, what what was it, a third and a fifth? Are you kidding me? Now, granted, Antonio Brown is older, but I I don't know if he's even going to be more expensive because Amari Cooper's due a contract. I find it very hard to believe that the Dallas Cowboys are willing to give up a first-round pick, but there isn't a single team in the NFL that's willing to pay this man $17, $18 million. I would be willing to bet Amari Cooper, uh, whether it's this year or later, he's he's playing on his final uh, uh, deal here for almost $14 million. Uh, It's hard to believe he's not going to get at least. And and, uh, Brown got, what, 16 and a half? 
Everyone's talking about how he's the highest paid wide receiver. He's not. He's absolutely not. Now, if you if you take into consideration the full contract details, you can make that argument. But just looking at the remaining dollars, the, the money that he's being paid right now on his new contract, it's like $16.5 million, which is a lot. But understand, Tyreek Hill's about to get a $20 million contract. In and around, that's what's being reported. Uh, Julio Jones is due a contract. Amari Cooper is due a contract. Michael Thomas is about to get a contract. The best wide receivers in the NFL right now are about to get massive contracts. So let's just say Amari Cooper and Antonio Brown are about to get paid roughly the same. Let's say Amari Cooper gets about 16 and a half. Gruden exchanged Amari Cooper a third and a fifth for Antonio Brown and a first. What kind of ridiculous wizardry is that? And, and again, you can, you can, we can harp on Antonio Brown's age, and we'll see what happens in that locker room, and it's something we got to keep an eye on. But if everything just stays kosher, if everything just stays fine, and he goes out and plays like he did in Pittsburgh, I mean, he, he's playing for what, four more years? Three more years? It's three. Amari right now this year, he's 24, but he's playing in his 25th year. He'll be 25 this year. So 25, 26, 27. I mean, I, I don't know, man. That's a pretty, uh, pretty incredible deal. And, and again, we got to monitor it. Antonio Brown could completely fall off. His production could tank. His attitude could, could be horrible. I mean, you could see how uh, Coach Gruden and Antonio Brown could, could kind of battle it out a little bit. But it's hard at this particular point in time to say that that was a bad deal. This looks incredible. But overall, for, for the sake of the, the NFL, for the sake of, of teams and everything else, I don't like the precedent that's being set by Antonio Brown. First of all, I don't like his outlook and the way he's viewing the situation. He's not, he's not a victim in this. The man signed a contract. Beyond that, though, he's, he's super obsessed, and a lot of these guys are, with individuality. I want to be me. I want to do what I want to do. Beyond the obvious of how selfish that is, that's just not how stuff works. And just because people want you to sacrifice a bit of your individuality doesn't mean that anybody's trying to control you. That's just the way life is. That's what society is. Again, not trying to get too philosophical here, but you have individuality on one end, you have a society on the other end, and they can't be in the same room together. In order for a group of, of 10 people, 50 people, 1,000 people to get together in the same room, you can't have a 1,000 individuals just acting however they want to act. It's going to be pretty chaotic and pretty unfortunate. There has to be some kind of a shared goal or shared vision within this group that these are sort of the social norms that we all have to abide by. And I understand you like to be wild and crazy and goofy, but we're going to have to, to kind of trim around the edges. We all have to sacrifice a little bit so that we can all get along here together. I think I've used this analogy before, but it, it, it's kind of like, if you want to know the difference or what I'm talking about, if you have you know little kids, let's say you take the day off on a random Wednesday and you go somewhere with your wife and kids during the day, and it's nothing but super little kids and stay-at-home moms and old people at a park somewhere, you're probably going to feel very at ease because nobody is going to be very threatening. Nobody's going to be acting out of turn. If your kids are playing in the park and you've got some other kid that comes up and, and starts like twiddling with your kid's hair, the mom is going to run up and go, no, 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 don't do that and pull your kid away. Now, now, why would she do that? Why is she stifling her kid's individuality? She's doing it because as a community, if we're going to have a shared park where everybody can come and, and be comfortable and function as a society she has to stifle her kids individuality in that moment it's the same on a team in a locker room we have a shared goal and a vision and yes it's set by somebody above you 
And it may not be your goal, and it may not be your vision, and it's definitely not going to be about you, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. The team is not going to come together and say, what can we do to make Antonio Brown's life better today? It's about the team. It's about the Raiders. It's about the Steelers. It's about the Packers. This is how we act in the locker room. This is how we act in meetings. This is the time I expect you to be here. You need to be on time. This is the attitude I expect on the football field. This is the kind of demeanor. This is this and this and this and this. Yeah, it's a bunch of rules. But it all serves a purpose, and the purpose is ultimately for the sake of the team, but it's also for you. And he doesn't get that. I I respect the amount of work that he's put in. But the success he's had has had a lot to do with the structure that he was put in with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The amount of work that was demanded of the people around him helped to amplify his own ability and make him the money that he's made. But he doesn't care because he doesn't see that. He's being entirely selfish. And, and beyond that, I don't. the reason I don't want a guy like that in my locker room, even if he goes out and plays or whatever, is because that sort of, of mentality and philosophy that he ascribes to, which is false and incorrect... I can't let him talk to the young guys. I don't want young guys coming in here and saying, you know what, you just need to be you, man. You just need to do what you need to do. You just need to focus on you. Don't ever let anybody tell you what to do. You just go out there and win and get your money and get yours. No. No. That is exactly the toxic kind of environment the Packers had in the locker room last year, and we can't have people doing that anymore. When you leave here and you go to your house, you do what you want to do for you. When you step onto this football field, your focus is on the Green Bay Packers. Your focus is on the Packers, on the team, on winning. Your focus is on listening to your coaches, on on growth. Your focus is your teammates. How do you make your teammates better? The last thing you need to worry about is your individuality, your ability to express yourself on the field. Well, I want to wear purple shoes. I don't care, dummy. Put on the shoes I tell you to put on and go run a route. He's a child. And again, all the respect in the world. He did it his way. He got what he wanted. I I despise that way of thinking by him and by everybody else who has it. Now listen, let me put this caveat out there. I I put Le'Veon Bell in a different category. People that are fighting the the franchise tag is a little bit different situation. Antonio Brown agreed to a contract, and the Steelers agreed to a contract that was beneficial to Antonio Brown and was absolutely devastating to them at this point in time because he's leaving. The Steelers are in a very bad situation. They're paying like $20 million for a guy that's not on their team. The Steelers did right by him, and he did wrong by his team. Now, I understand the... the, the um, why can't I think of it? Franchise tag. It's a franchise tag. For crying out loud, it's called a franchise tag. It's, it's, it's a tool that's been given to teams and, and technically football players all ascribe to it. They agree to it, whatever. But there's, there's a difference between me signing a contract and me and you agreeing, okay, I'm going to play for four years and these are the guaranteed terms and these are all the terms and I've signed my, my name on it and a team coming out saying, boom, you're franchised. Now, there still needs to be a signature at the bottom, but the problem is I can't say no thank you to the franchise tag and then go be a free agent. I can't. That's a situation, and and yes, considering, I mean, if it was baseball or something, it would be a little bit different. Considering how short the lifespan is, you you start looking at guys like running backs who have a very limited shelf life. Dude, you put a franchise tag on me, I'm done. You look at Le'Veon Bell, he's got a very short shelf life. He's already got some injuries racked up, some knee problems. He's only got a little bit of time. If he plays on that franchise tag like Earl Thomas and gets hurt, it could really damage his ability to go out and perform. To, to go get that next big contract. 
he's still going to get one, but it, it could really, really hurt him. So I, I, I'm not even I'm not talking about that in particular, but in general, th- this sort of and and it, it it can bleed out. You can have people who say no to the franchise tag, who then buy into the Antonio Brown thing and take it too far, and say in every case it needs to just be me and myself and my. No, don't take it there. If you have a problem with the franchise tag. Listen to what Le'Veon Bell does and watch what he does and see if that's a good option for you. For some people, it's like, oh, I'd, I'd welcome a tag. For a quarterback, yeah, I'd, I'd probably take a tag. I don't know. I mean, if, if I'm a top-tier quarterback and you're going to tag me, I mean, I'm going to be playing for 15 more years. You can, you, you're going to tag me again next year? You know how much that's going to cost you? And you can't do it three years. You're going to be paying a ridiculous amount of money. So I'll pay and make, play and make a ton of money on these franchise tags these years, and then I'll get, get out of here. But even then, I, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. But I, I just, in general, and I'm, I'm basing all this on a video that was that I had watched, and it was when he had a a sit down with, um, I don't know, I think it was LeBron James and some other athletes. I'm not really sure, but that was it. They all sat down together, and it was just this big cry fest about how they're oppressed, and everybody tries to control you and control you and who you are and what you try to do. It's like, dude, you signed a contract, man. But I don't know, man. Some people just, they, they can't handle that. But, but bottom line is, I don't want that in Green Bay. And I just want to, for the billionth time, say that. But also understand why. Everybody in that locker room needs to be trying to do what the fans want. And that's to make sure the Green Bay Packers, the team, wins a Super Bowl. I don't mind if there's some selfishness there, like with Aaron Rodgers and how he's a competitor and he cares about him doing well on the football field. He wants to get himself another Super Bowl. He cares about his reputation. I I can tolerate that. You're not going to find a perfectly selfless person. But if you're selfish to the point where football isn't even the priority and in no way does the team matter, I just can't have that. There has to be some allegiance to this team. Knowing full well there's a business, that's fine. I don't care what team it is. If you're on a team, you need to, to, to ball out for that team. And that's just a character thing. Some people just have that. And we, we have people on this team that are that way. And you can just tell they're, they're high-character people. They care about their teammates. They care about their coaches. They care about the fans. They care about the city. Antonio Brown is doing very well for himself, and good for him for doing that. But I, he's just not a... And here's the other thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this. I think some teams can weather that a little better than others. I think the Patriots have an organization where, where they can tolerate a little bit of that because it's like a boot camp. There's certain places and, and, and there's kind of an environment where we've got a couple people that are this way that are kind of those alphas, and they'll bring somebody like Antonio Brown, they'll, they'll, they'll put him in his place and keep him in line. You look at the Rams. I mean, it's, it's somehow they were able to go out and get these high-volatility guys and put them all in a room together, and there was, there was a common vision and a common goal, and, and props to the coaches for being able to, to kind of make that work. And I'm not even saying there's, there's never going to be a time where it can't happen in Green Bay. But as I said yesterday, the team last year was bad because of this problem. We, we, we have to fix it first. Let's fix it, and then we'll start exploring those options. But, we, I mean, we've we got to start from scratch. Which, you know, you think about Green Bay, you think about this historic thing, but it, it's, it's not. Not right now. It's new. And it's very rare that the Packers are new, but they're very new. Usually it's, it's similar to the Patriots or even the Steelers where guys come in and it's just this established thing. This is the way it's done. This is the Green Bay way. This is you will fall in line. It's not like that anymore. The guys that oversee that and enforce that are gone. The coaches are gone and, and they, they had kind of given that up anyways. And a lot of the players, there's a lot of young guys. 
And Aaron Rodgers could be that guy, but he's not very vocal. He's, you know, he'll maybe get out there and blast a guy to the media, but he's more or less one of those guys that's he's not going to take you under his wing and be like, look, man, buddy, you just can't be like that, pal. No, he's just going to look at you with disgust and say, you're, you're off my list. I'm not throwing to you because you don't try hard and I don't care about you anymore. There needs to be this spark. There needs to be this, this moment. And it's going to be up to the coaches where we bring everybody together and there's just this common vision and fire that burns for the Packers. And at this point in time, we cannot have an Antonio Brown coming in, talking to young guys, talking about just get yours, just be yourself, just do whatever you want to do. We can't handle that right now. Maybe the Raiders can. We'll find out. And good for them if they can. We can't. So anyways, that's that. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Next up, let's talk about some pass rushers. I just this very second saw, um, apparently Justin Houston was just released. So, wow, am I excited. So there's already been rumors that uh, the Packers and the 49ers have been, I think it was the 49ers, have been inquiring about D Ford. I don't understand that for the 49ers. They're a 4-3 football team. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to get into it. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, you, you get D Ford, what are you going to do? You're going to pass on Nick Bosa if he falls to you at two? You're going to take him, and then you got three for early first-round uh, outside linebackers. I don't know. doesn't make any sense, but whatever. Um, but now with Justin Houston being released, I mean, tomorrow, t- t- tomorrow is the day, um, when these things can start, can start, uh, talking. And the, the interesting thing from the Packers perspective is that I don't think anything was going to get done with D Ford until Monday anyways, because with a franchise tag, you need to, you need to have an extension in play. You're not going to give up a second-round pick or whatever it is for a one-year rental, meaning you need to be able to, to have a conversation with D. Ford and say, look, um, we, we're, we, we want to trade for you. We've already worked out the arrangement with the Chiefs. We, we need to start conversations about uh, compensation here and make sure that that's an agreeable term. Well, now with Justin Houston available starting Monday, I mean, I'm hoping relatively soon we're going we're gonna to hear the Packers got one of them. I don't want to get too too far into uh, the difference between the two. I've already been somewhat outspoken about the fact that I would prefer Justin Houston to D. Ford. D. Ford is younger. D. Ford has more upside. I will acknowledge both of those things. But the fact that we don't even have to give up any draft picks to get Justin Houston now that he's released, meaning it's just compensation. We just have to pay the man. We keep all of our picks. I mean, that, that, that's going to make it much more appealing. Here's the other interesting aspect of this. Uh, there were reports coming out, I don't know, four or five days ago that, uh, the, the well, essentially the reason the Chiefs did cut him is because they just weren't getting interest. And the biggest problem with it was nobody was willing to give anything up because they don't want to pay Justin Houston um, his his salary. Well, he's due $15.25 million this year, $17 million in 2020. So the question then becomes, how much are you going to pay this guy? Well, apparently they couldn't even, for any compensation at all, get anyone to agree to this basically $16 million contract. So the question is, if, if you can't get anybody to bite for that, what, what is he going to go for? Now, I, I don't know, and things may continue to ramp up, but it just seems odd to me that if a team was... Because a lot of teams that want Justin Houston real bad don't want to let it get to this point. So if you're willing to pay $16 million on average, and, and you can talk to the Chiefs and say, you know what, I'll throw you a seventh. I'll throw you a bone here. Whatever it takes. 
it would have happened because you don't want to let it get to Monday because then you have competition and the price ramps up. So the, the, in my mind, nobody's even close. And I, I'm looking at it saying his top end is $15 million bucks a year. And even at that, it's like, are, are you serious? Like, you're going to pay this guy $15 million? You, you couldn't go out and pay $16 million? And maybe it is the, the structuring of it, which could have been restructured. You know, the fact that you owe him 17 in 2020 when he's 31 years old is, is not fun for anybody. But it, it does excite me to some degree that, that his market apparently is that low. I, I, I'm having a hard time trying to gauge his value because I'm, I'm, I've gone back and looked at some of the other signings. And it's, it's either you're getting signed to $8 million contracts or then you have Khalil Mack getting signed to $25 million. So I, I hate to think, I, do, I don't hate, I love to think, but I, I, I refuse to believe that he's worth less than $10 million. But I did see a lot of lot of guys getting signed at eight million bucks, and I, I just I if it's ten million or less, I I have he's signed to the Green Bay Packers. If I'm the GM by midnight tonight, it's done. It's already done. It's not even a question. Now, as I've said, he doesn't have the upside of D Ford because you know, whatever. He's not as young, and D Ford was the number one pass rusher last year. But there's something else I wanted to talk about with that, because there's a lot of stuff on Twitter when all the news about D. Ford came out, and a lot of people are like, yeah, well, the you know, you guys don't know what you're talking about. The reason his stats were so low is because he was a backup, and this is just a natural progression. I'm not talking about stats. When I tell you that Justin Houston has been a, con- a consistent contributor since day one, I mean that regardless of snap count. I'm looking at Pro Football Focus, and Pro Football Focus does not say, what did Justin Houston do on this play? Oh, he was on the bench? That's a negative grade. No, no, no. Just looks at when you're on the field and you're trying to do your best, did you do a good job or did you do a bad job? Or somewhere in between. Justin Houston, let me just read this out to you. And again, I don't do this very often because I, you know, this is a paid thing and I don't want to give away paid things for free. But I really want you to understand this picture. Here are his numbers. And again, for those that don't know, 60 is perfectly average. 70, and this is my vernacular, is good. 80s are very good. 90s are elite. Here is Justin Houston from 2011 to 2018. And this, by the way, is his overall defensive grade. Takes into account coverage, pass rush, tackling, run defense, whatever. Rookie year, 754 snaps. He was average. 63.9. Starting in after that year, 81.6. That's very good. Next year, 90.2, 90.4, 91.5. Three years where he was graded as elite. 2016, he was 75.3. That's good. 2017, 78.8. That's good. 2018, 85.7. If he's declining, I don't know where. It was his best year since 2015. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying uh, he's consistent. Now, I understand the age is a problem, and he's going to start falling off, and it's possible we hand him the money just as he's about to tank. I think that happened with Jimmy Graham. I mean, he was already clearly on the decline for quite a while, but it seems like he just he really hit a cliff this year. That's entirely possible, but there isn't the concern with D. Ford that we're going to give up a second-round pick and pay the guy $17 million, and he's just not good. It was a, it was a Nick Perry situation. And again, a lot of people, oh, don't call him Nick Perry. He's not Nick Perry. I'm not talking about his style. I'm just talking about a guy that is bad, and then he's good for a year when it's a contract year, and then we pay him a bunch of money, and then he's bad again. The other good thing about Justin Houston is that it will be short-term. You can look at that as good, or you can look at it as bad. D. Ford, you, you have him locked up for a long time. That's good. That's a good security blanket to have. We don't have to worry about our pass rusher for the next five years. Wow, what a great thing that is. 
assuming everything works out. But the, the benefit here is that if it's it continues to lower the risk, and maybe I'm just too risk-averse. There's a lot of fans who are like, let's just swing for the fences, and I'm getting there. But I don't want to ruin this team for the next four years because we lock up D Ford. Turns out he's not very good, and we're still paying Nick Perry. Again, Justin Houston is a good football player, and he always has been in terms of his sacks. And I understand these are these are pro football focus numbers. They're not. They're different numbers than what you're seeing. But starting in his rookie year, this is what it's been: six, ten, twelve, twenty-four. Did you catch that? Let me say that one more time: twenty-four. According to his official uh, stats, it was 22 sacks. 22 in 2014. Then 8, then 5, then 11, then 12. Now, the 5 looks low, but he played 349 snaps that year. This past year, he paid 848. If he had played 848 snaps in 2016, the year he got 5 sacks, it would have uh, amounted to 12.14 sacks. The year that he had eight sacks in 2015, he only played 671. If we extrapolate that out to the 848, he's at 10. So if we just bring these years, and I understand injuries are a part of it, but again, the, the last time he had a low snap count was 2016. He didn't play a full year this last year, but it's still 800 snaps and 12 sacks. Again, that's according to Pro Football Focus. And on top of that, as we talked about, I don't know, yesterday or the day before, there's more to life than sacks. There's hits and there's hurries. He had 53 total pressures. 53! That's kind of a big number. So so really, the, the man has not had a year where he didn't have double-digit sacks, uh, apart from years where he had about 500 or less snaps. And again, I fully acknowledge that the, the cliff is coming, but let me just now flip over to D4 just to show you what I'm seeing. And again, this isn't numbers. This isn't just statistics because everyone says, well, he had a good year in 2016 too. Well, he had 12 sacks, which is good, but he didn't grade out well at all. He graded out horribly. Let me tell you, and again, keep in mind, 60 is average. Justin Houston has never had one year below 60. He had about a 65 in his rookie year. Ever since then, a bad year for Justin Houston is when he's good. He's typically between very good and elite, including in his last year in 2018, he graded out as very good with 12 sacks. His official number was 9, so I guess we'll go by official number, but still, 9 sacks is not a problem. And that's a year in which he missed a lot of games. Let's take a look at D. Ford's grades. His rookie year, 53.4, that's below average for a first-round draft pick. 2015, 54.9. 2016, 63.5. Barely above average. 2017, two years ago, 59.4. He was below average in a contract year in 2018, 87.7 best pass rusher in the NFL. By the way, his coverage grade is below average. His tackling grade is average. His run defense is average. But he had an elite pass rush grade. Do you understand my concern here? The guy has never been good in coverage. The guy has never really been a good tackler. The guy has never been good in run defense, including 2018. And he's never been a good pass rusher except once, one time. That was this last year. Yes, I'm nervous. It's possible that he just turned a corner as a pass rusher. Justin Houston's better against the run. Justin Houston's a better tackler. And by the way, um, Justin Houston was also a very, very good outside linebacker. It's not like you you either pick second-round pick and $17, $18 million for D Ford, or you get some bum named Justin Houston. Let me remind you once again, looking at the overall defensive grade, D. Ford ranked 11th as an edge rusher. Justin Houston ranked 12th as an edge rusher. So let me ask you this. 
You can have the number 11 pass rusher in the NFL last year for a second-round pick, $18 million a year, and a ridiculous amount of risk. Or you can have the 12th best edge rusher for $9.5 million over the next two, three years, and it doesn't cost you a single draft pick. Is there anybody out there within the sound of my voice that thinks maybe Justin Houston isn't the worst option? By the way, neither of these guys are very good at anything but rushing the passer, which is fine. I can deal with that considering our need. But if we just run through this real quick, looking at run defense between the two, D. Ford was the 67th best run defender. Justin Houston was uh, 93rd. I know. I said Justin Houston's typically better. He, he wasn't very good outside of being a pass rusher this past year. So he looked pretty similar to D. Ford, but he's got a body of work. That's kind of what I've been trying to get across. He has got a body of work. Looking at coverage, Justin Houston was the 33rd best um, outside linebacker in coverage. D. Ford was 73rd. So with both of these guys, primarily you're getting pass rushers. I just, you know, again, and I, I'm not going to throw a fit if we if we end up getting D. Ford. I, I, it, it, I'd be willing to bet the Packers want D. Ford more than they want Justin Houston because if, if they're willing to trade which apparently they've reached out looking at that option of possibly trading. And, and for all I know, it's going to be done tonight because they may want to get it done. Well, probably not because, again, you got to negotiate the contract. But they may be hard on his heels and, and they're not super interested in Justin Houston. I have no idea. But I, in my mind, an ideal situation, we, 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 we pay Justin Houston $10 million or less. Again, it could, it could be lower. I don't know what it's going to be. But just imagine for a moment. If Nick Perry could get rejuvenated a little bit, and I know nobody's talking about Nick Perry other than let's get rid of the bum, but just bear with me for a moment. Nick Perry has never really been a good pass rusher. I mean, staying healthy has always been his biggest issue. 2016, he played 700 snaps. That was the most he's ever played. Justin Houston, I mean, he's got two seasons with over 1,000 snaps. His past year was 800. He, and in a usual season, he's playing more snaps than Nick Perry has ever played in the NFL. But Nick Perry prior to 2018, was very, very good against the run. That's his whole thing. You get Nick Perry's strong side and Justin Houston off the off, off the other edge, the blind side, and then, you know, again, we're, we're still going to be hopefully drafting somebody. If we get a Brian Burns or something to be the next Justin Houston, I, I'm, I'm, I'm real excited about it. And yeah, we could say the same with D. Ford again, but we're still talking about the limitations. Maybe we get a Justin Houston knowing full well the limitations with him and Nick Perry and uh, we, we get super aggressive and we go get a Josh Allen with the benefit of that being good pass rusher. I don't I honestly don't know if he's as good a pass rusher as Brian Burns, but we'll table that. Very good pass rusher. Beyond that, though, it very rarely do you see somebody with the amount of skill he has in coverage. The, the versatility that a guy like that has. Now, now imagine being aggressive and getting a guy, and maybe you don't need to. It's been mocked before where a guy like Josh Allen falls to 12. I'm, I'm just, I'm just kind of laying it out there because I... The more I look at D. Ford, the more nervous I get. Everything I said to you is real. And even if he does come back and he gives us exactly what he did in 2018 for the next three, four years, we're getting a very good pass rusher and nothing else, which a lot of people I know are saying, I don't care, that sounds perfect. Please give me that all day, every day. Just just bottle that up and rub it on my body because it sounds amazing. I get it. But I, I just, we're paying so much for that. It, I just, it makes me really nervous. There's very little risk with Justin Houston. If we're talking less than $10 million, don't think, just do. And then it's done, and it's over with. 
And if you structure that in such a way that, okay, it's we're talking about an average of $10 million a year, but maybe we're only paying them 75 this year. We've got $20 million bucks still sitting there after the draft picks to go sign somebody. What's Earl Thomas going to cost? $11 million? $10 million? I mean, can you imagine a universe where we get Earl Thomas for 11, 12, call it 12, for 12 and Justin Houston for 8? For the price of D. Ford and no draft picks, in other words, significantly less than we could get D. Ford for, we can get Earl Thomas and Justin Houston. And I listen, I've said on this podcast a thousand times, it's not a grocery store. You can't just hand people money and say, okay, it's done, you're mine now. There has to be agreement. There's going to be a lot of competition. I get that. I'm just saying as a strategy, if, 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 if I had the option between the two, it's not even a question. You couldn't sell me on D. Ford. You couldn't pay me to just say the words, I'd rather have D. Ford than Earl Thomas and Justin Houston for the same amount of money, except D. Ford's going to, you're going to have to pay out a bunch of money. I mean, we're, we're talking about the possibility of swapping first-round picks as compensation for D. Ford. Think about that. We're going to give up 12 and move back to, what, what is it, 28, 29 they own? I think it's like, tw- uh, whatever, who cares? No, I want 12. We need 12. That's our future right there. That, that's our future pass rusher. That's the guy we're going to have for five, six, seven, eight years. I'm not giving that up for D. Ford. No, get out of my face. Every time I complete a rant like that, I just want to end it with the end of the patent speech. All right, now you sound a You know how I feel. Such a great movie. And for the record, I absolutely saved that clip because I love that. As much as I rant, I got I to gotta save that one. Then again, I got other save, save stuff I've never even used. Maybe I should should take advantage of that at this moment. My knee! Nailed it. All right, we need to move on. Things have gotten out of control. Again, I'm not really sure how much time is going to be left, but I, I want to make sure I get this in here. It was also reported that the, uh, the Packers are potentially interested in Mr. Mark Ingram. I've actually been wondering about this for some time. I, I kind of assumed it might not come to this just because uh, th- there's a good amount of, I, I guess, mediocre talent at running back. And if we're just looking for depth, it's definitely an option. But, as I've said, you cannot go into the draft or or into free agency, I suppose, with the mentality that we're definitely going to draft a running back. You don't know that. And it also frees up your abilities in the draft to where you don't have to reach on a running back. We can get other stuff. You know, if there's a linebacker available, if if there's a a wide receiver available, an offensive guard. Um, But then, then also you look at the amount of running backs that are available. There's a lot of them out there. And, and they're not terrible. Mark Ingram is a good running back. He's not elite. He's not top tier. But you look at his contract. The guy signed like a four-year, I don't know what how many years, but it was a four-year, um, it was a $4 million per year contract. And this was his last contract. So the point is, what is his value today? It ain't, it's not $4 million. So, I mean, if you look at Mark Ingram and, and what he's done with the, uh, the Saints, he's been a productive back. So if the goal is to just try to shore up that additional spot, I don't hate that. I'm not sure it's my my you know favorite option, but I don't have a problem, especially when we're talking about running backs, uh, linebackers, guards, because we're talking about if, if you want to get top tier, we're talking, well, I shouldn't say top tier, top tier running back could be a lot, but good productive running backs, we're talking are, are 10 million bucks, linebackers are, you know, $8 million guards pretty much in that same range and if you talk about just productive guys that are kind of getting toward the end of their career but they can still play there's still some tread on the tires I mean you're, you're getting them for two three four million dollars so if we can get a guy like Mark Ingram and, and we're saying he's a real good fit for what we're trying to do and he's going to be able to do the things that we want him to be able to do here in Green Bay 
and we can get him for $2.5 million or whatever kind of ridiculous kind of contract it's going to be, and we can say we're, we're kind of settled here. Not to say we don't have to draft somebody. We can still draft a guy. You know, we'll, we'll stick to the board if we've satisfied a bunch of needs and we get into that fifth, sixth round and there's a guy there that we think could be productive and can come in and play. Maybe even, maybe now we can start to specialize a little bit and get more of a pass catching back because we got Ingram and we've got Aaron Jones. We've got all these other guys. We'll get a third down back that can block and catch. It just, it just frees up a lot of options. So I, I don't hate that in general, whether it's Mark Ingram or somebody else, just hearing the Packers are in the conversation, uh, I think in terms of what we should take from that isn't necessarily that we're going to get them. Um, I think a lot of this is not not even that we're being lied to, but it's, it's anytime you get a tiny fraction of information, and that's all we're seeing. We're seeing just little flickers behind a curtain. So when somebody sees a flicker or hears, hey, the Packers called on Mark Ingram, it's like, whoa, they're targeting and they're trying to get him, man. Well, that, that could just be that the Packers have called on just about every free agent running back or about five or six of them, and somebody overheard the conversation about Ingram because Ian Rappaport's got an in with Ingram's agent or something, and that's how it ended up getting out. But I think the most important thing is, number one, we are interested in potentially getting Mark Ingram, and number two, we are definitely open to the idea of getting running backs, whether that's in the draft or free agency, but, but also specifically in free agency. We're entertaining that option. And also you look at the caliber. Are we doing a Ted Thompson thing where we're just getting some nobody? Or, or basically what Gutekunst did all last year where we got a bunch of no-name guys off of people's you know practice squads and everything else. Or are we just going to try to do that? Maybe just wait around and do what Ted Thompson did a lot of, which was getting guys like Ray John Neal, the undrafted free agent guys that can come in and produce to some degree, but we're not going to invest anything in this? No, I mean, we're looking at Mark Ingram. He's a very good running back. And that, you know, it's a stretch, I suppose, to say very good, depending on how you would want to call. But, I mean, th- there's nothing wrong with him. I-, I would say he'd come in and be our number two. I think that's fair to say. I think he would be above Jamal Williams. I don't think he'd be as productive as, as Aaron Jones. But, I mean, to to get a guy, I mean, that, that to me, that's perfect. We're not getting a number one. We're not going to invest in a number one because Aaron Jones is our number one. But we're getting somebody that's that that makes Jamal our number three, and I love that. And it, you don't have to look at it as one, two, and three. They they it's situational football. It depends on this. It depends on that. Whatever. But it, it, it's again, it's a comfort factor. It, it's just I like Jamal a lot more knowing he's our third best running back. Suddenly I look at that running back room, and we went from being, you know, we got one good guy, one guy that's kind of meh, and we're super thin to we got three guys that can play. Jamal is talented, and he's our number three. We got Mark Ingram, who's a veteran, which is another bonus to something like that. Getting that veteran stuff, we talk about leadership, getting a veteran in that room, because there's not a lot of them. It would be similar to getting Tremont Williams and throwing him in with the corners, getting that kind of veteran leadership from a guy that's been on a team that knows how to win, how to succeed, how to play at a high level, how to play in the playoffs, how to how to play with, with all this stuff. He's played with Drew Brees. He knows how to work with high-caliber quarterbacks, very similar franchises. So there's a, there's a lot of moving parts, and there's a lot of benefits, and it, it's also a guy that's stuck around. He's been a saint for a long time. So, I, you know, I, I'm not over the moon, but I, I, it just makes a lot of sense. And depending on the compensation, which, again, I would say is, is capped out at $3 million, and I, I don't know if it would even get that high. Now, if he was the only running back available, and it looked a little bit like the outside linebacker market, where you look at all the outside linebacker pass rushers, and it's like, well, as of right now, there's Justin Houston and Preston Smith. It's like, oh my good, you better get Justin Houston like right now. Because there's one guy that can sack quarterbacks and nobody else. Now, if you're a 4-3 team, you can say, well, we got a bunch of guys. You got Cameron Wake's about to be out there. He's still playing at a high level, believe it or not. You got Trey Flowers is out there. You got a bunch of guys. 
you know, Ezekiel Ansah maybe. I don't know if you can keep him healthy. Plenty of 4-3 defensive ends, not a lot of outside linebackers. But you look at the running back room, and again, it's saturated. So you could say, well, you know, Mark Ingram's talented. A lot of people are going to try to get him. Well, maybe they're going after somebody else. There's a lot of them. There's no need to, to get Mark Ingram's market ramped up to $5 million. That's ridiculous. If it even starts to sniff its way back up to four, you just bail on it and get somebody else. And if everybody's market starts going that high, then which it won't, but I'm you know hypothetically, then you just turn to the draft. Because we're going to get somebody. I'm not going to freak out. But just, just make the phone call. I like that. I like Mark Ingram. I think that would be a good fit. You know, the, the guy played for Alabama. You know, he knows what it's like to play on the on the big stage. Big schools, big stage, Alabama. Then he goes to the Saints. Then he goes to the Packers. I mean, it's just, it just feels right. But again, if, if it doesn't happen, it's not the end of the world. Uh, but but looking at, at running back in free agency. And, and, and from talking about comfort again, it comforts me to hear that the Packers are in these conversations. It happened all last year. We needed corners, and every single person that was available, Gutekunst was making a call. Ian Rappaport said so... There, there's three teams interested in this player, and the Packers are one of them. Every single player, it was unbelievable. I, I don't necessarily need that, but it, it is nice to know that he's willing to call on guys like Mark Ingram. He's willing to call on the Chiefs to, to discuss a trade for D. Ford, maybe the best pass rusher in the NFL. Probably not, but maybe. That's big-time stuff, man. That's no joke. That That's big-boy football right there. So it's nice to know that he's willing to do that, and it's also nice to know that he's not going to just be- break the bank for the sake of doing big deals like some of these these nonsense owners and GMs are doing. So there is a comfort level. But, you know, again, at the end of the day, that man needs to build a team that's going to get us into the playoffs and give us a a chance to win a Super Bowl. And um, we're kind of at ground zero. We'll see how it goes. But I I do like the way he's managing things. I do like the way he's handling it. I like the people he's calling on. I like that it's D. Ford. I like that it's Mark Ingram. You know, they did not apparently call on A.B. I like that. Um, I, I would love to hear a rumor about Earl Thomas. I'd like to hear some chatter about Justin Houston. By the time we wake up tomorrow, there's going to be a lot. Man, if news was crazy before, it's about to get real crazy tomorrow because now you're going to have teams calling. And when you have teams calling, you got insiders who are hearing things. So between the real news and the fake news, oh my goodness, it's going to be nuts. I, I just, I, I think I just need to get hit by a car so I can't go to work or something. Something. Somebody do me a, f- a favor because I just need to be laid up somewhere with a laptop or propped up in front of my computer here. Just too much work, oh, just just too much to do. Full-time job, get out of my face. But I'll make the time, you know how I do. You know how I be. Anyways, I think that's a relatively good uh, spot to end. Lots and lots of news I didn't get to touch on, but that's that's probably the most important Packers news at this particular point in time. But uh, you fine folks, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I'll be up bright and early to find out what's going on tomorrow. We'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more news. But uh, enjoy your day. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Uh, Bye-bye.